Extraordinary districts in extraordinary times. Hi, this is Karen Chenoweth. And this is Tangie Reed Marshall. We're from the Education Trust, a national education advocacy organization that works to ensure that all children get a great education, no matter what their background. In this podcast, we talk with educators we know are thoughtful and effective to hear how they are meeting the unprecedented challenge of educating children during the twin crises of a worldwide pandemic and a national reckoning over deeply entrenched racial injustice. In the spring of 2020, we talked with Jenny Black, principal of Washington Elementary School in Junction City, Kansas, and she laid out all the work that she and her teachers were doing to make sure their students learned in the spring and to make sure things would be better this fall. Well, it's fall. So we're back to talk with her about what she and her staff have learned and how her students are doing. I'm really glad to say she is joined by two teachers, Jennifer Fallon and Shanae Henson. You're both third grade teachers, but Ms. Fallon, you're teaching remotely, and Ms. Henson, you're teaching in person, or as Ms. Black said, brick and mortar. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna we're gonna under we're gonna understand what that means by the end of this podcast. But um, Jenny, in the in the spring, you talked about developing Plan A, Plan B, and Plan C with plan A being fully in school, plan B being hybrid, and plan B being fully remote. It sounds as if you've landed on plan B. Is that right? Hybrid. (laughs) It it is kind of a hybrid. What what our district ended up doing was um, choosing instead to do, parents could enroll in either remote or they could enroll in brick and mortar. And that had to be decided by a certain time And then based upon that is what the students received. Um, It required some shuffling. So um, just to kind of give you the setup, Jen Fallon is actually a fifth grade teacher, but we ended up with enough third graders that went remote that we needed a remote teacher. um, And Jen Fallon was willing to do that and dropped down to third. Meanwhile, Shanae, who normally has a partnership with another teacher, who's not even here with us today, she ended up getting all our third graders. So Shanae has a significantly large classroom and uh, Jen is doing fully remote because of just the circumstances. One of the challenges we've had is that uh, many of our uh, more impoverished families chose to be remote. Um, So typically we run about 300 children in our school. We have We only enrolled 250 this year, which is down. Out of those 250, 100 of them chose to be remote. Um, And so that caused a lot of shifting of how we are going to cover classrooms remotely and how we're going to cover classes brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. 
So the last two conversations we have had for the for the podcast the they were combining. So in other words, if you were at home, you would watch what's going on in the classroom and when you're in the classroom you have, you know, computer buddies <laughs> off at home. You made a different choice to 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 kind of specialize. How did you think about that? I'm sure you considered the option. So again, much of this was decided by our, at the district level. So there wasn't a lot of decisions that we were making at that level. However, what you just described has been done in a couple of instances because we've had situations where the first day of school, we had a kindergarten classroom where the teacher uh, was exposed to a positive case. So the teacher immediately became quarantined. But meanwhile, you have a brick and mortar class that needs to be covered. There are no subs. So we actually had the brick and mortar teachers zoom in to teach the class. If you can imagine big brother on the screen teaching the class. And then we used an aid to supervise students as the teacher did direct instruction. Um, that, that's kind of the biggest decisions that we're making at the building level because many of the decisions on how we ended up doing our plan A and our plan C or the hybrid has been made at the district level. Would you have preferred to make some of those decisions at the school level? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these are big decisions. And the only decision that I wish, and I think Jen, Jen and Shanae would echo this, is I wish all of our children were brick and mortar. Um, I wish they were all brick and mortar. And uh, we cannot replicate online what we can do in the classrooms. I wish our class sizes were smaller. Shanae's running, I think, about 23, 24 right now. 23. Can you socially distance in your classroom? Um, we do our best. We are spread out about as far around the classroom as you can imagine. Um, at one point, we were 26, so we, um, we do our best for sure. So what we have told everyone is we wear masks uh, 100% of the time, and socially distanced is the only time that we really enforce the social distancing is during lunchtime. We've got our kids so that they're only sitting about two kids to a table, two to three so that they're spread out enough when their masks are off and they're eating. But we recognize that in those situations, we're going to be in the position where we just put a whole class. We'll have to go remote if, um, if a student becomes positive. And we're waiting right now. We may end up in that boat with a fifth grade class. We're kind of waiting for the health department to get a hold of us to, to make some decisions. I looked up the... Uh statistics for Geary County, where you are in Kansas, um, right before we started recording, and your cases in the spring were almost nothing, and they're not almost nothing now. There are hundreds of cases a day uh, being reported. Um, have How many cases have you had in the school? Um, we've, we, right now, we've had about four positive cases in the school. Um, what we run into more than positive cases in the school is people who are close contact cases. And when you're a close contact case, then you also get quarantined. 
So that probably affects us more than anything. An example was we were without one of our coaches for all of November. She was her husband became positive. So then she stays home so that she doesn't infect anyone. Uh, Jeremy Fajan, my other coach now, has also come up where he's in a position. He was a close contact. So then he's home. And so we've run into that. I've had several different people where they're close contacts and it's happening outside of the school. We're not finding we're getting a lot of transmission within the school, but outside of the school is the problem. And then uh, if a child who may have been a close contact outside of school comes to school and then runs a fever, and then gets tested, that's when we end up with a whole class going quarantined. And that's and a possibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that just requires a huge shift then. So overnight, to give you an example, you go from overnight where you're thinking the next day life is as normal as school gets. And overnight, you're calling 20 parents saying you're going remote. Um, you need to either come pick up your computers or if we knew before they left, we make sure the computers went home with them. And then we expect the teacher to get all her stuff online into a learning management system and be on go. I'm wondering how this works. So, Shanae, you have a student who over the weekend um, finds out that they tested positive or their mother tests positive. And so they're now going to be remote. Do they switch into a into your class, Jennifer Fallon? Yeah. Yes. So they they just make that switch um, because you don't do any um, crossover, so to speak. Yeah, we actually have a student that we've been sharing for quite some time. Um, he has been, gosh, he, it feels like he's been gone forever. Um, and so we, once we knew that he was going to be quarantined due to having a family member with COVID. Um, we just set him up in Miss Fallon's class, and he has been there since. So, so are you teaching the same things? Do you plan together? How how do you, how do you work that? Just physically, like logistically, how do you work that? Um, so, yeah, we our district really does a nice job of laying out, um, you know, math lessons that we need to be on and reading lessons where we should be at. And so we kind of base off of that. And then we definitely communicate together to make sure we're, you know, on the same track with our math lessons and um, same area and reading as well. So we do communicate and plan together and make sure we're kind of in the same spot because at any given time, you know, we can kind of maybe have a student go from my room to her room and be at home. So is it different or is what you're doing primarily, you know, the same as last year? Um, primarily the same. Um, it's kind of taken us a while to get into a routine. They've been out of school for so long. Um, so primarily the same with a mask on. Um, we are learning to use technology a lot more just to prepare us in case we do have to go virtually. Um, but primarily the same. We are um, having to backtrack on a lot of things because we see so many gaps um, because they missed out on so much instruction or in the class instruction in the fall uh, or in the spring, sorry. So we're seeing gaps and we're having to kind of rewind, but we're, we're primarily the same. She's, she's being very generous with what she's saying there. She'll have to tell you about her rock star look in the classroom. Yeah, so... 
I uh, I found that I was very exhausted at the end of a day. So speaking through a mask at, you know, at the beginning of the school year, it ended up being somewhere at 26 kids. Um, and so I got a microphone. And so I have a headpiece with my like superstar microphone. And that absolutely saves my energy throughout the day because I'm not having to speak through a um, um my mask and my kiddos, if I don't have it on, they're like, Miss Henson, you need to get your, mat, your your microphone on. And the first day we had it, we actually had Pop Star Day. So everybody wore, got to wear their favorite Pop Star outfit. So that's that saved me. So that is far different. I did not wear a microphone before. I totally get that, though. Whenever I have to talk through a mask, it just feels exhausting. So uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. There, there are also quite a few routines that we've had to put in place in order to help minimize the likelihood of spread. And so we do assign bathroom times where everyone's going to make sure they wash their hands for, for the 20 seconds that they're supposed to wash their hands. And we have, uh, they're eating their breakfast in the classroom um, because again, managing so that we don't have classrooms overlap with each other and that everyone stays in their own little cohort. Uh, we have playgrounds set up so that we've got kids playing on the big playground, kids playing on the little playground, but third graders do not mix with other third graders or any other grade, any other class, so that we do not get cross-contamination because that's when you start to send whole larger bodies home. And so we're trying to avoid anything like that. Well, you're doing your best there, but I mean, they've got brothers and sisters, so they're cross-contaminating at home, I'm sure. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to state the obvious here. And they're third graders, so, so like, yuck. <laughs> so it's been interesting because uh, Shanae actually had a student who was in a classroom where the classroom went remote. It was a kindergarten class that went remote. She had a brother or a sibling, and we thought, okay, this is it. This is where we end up with two classes. That sibling went home and was quarantined with the brother, and we never got anything, any spike or any positive case in Sinead's room, so we were safe that way. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but every time we do that, we actually have an elaborate process that happens here in the office where we are trying to figure out, you know, who did they see for tutoring? Who did they see for music? Who did they see for PE? So that we can shut down anyone who might possibly contaminate anyone else. This is enormously anxiety provoking. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm getting anxious <laughs> just listening to you about it. So Jennifer Fallon, you are teaching very differently. Now, you're in the school building, is that correct? Correct. So, so you're teaching from the school building, not your home. So you're still you're still kind of in the mix to the extent that any anyone is not in the mix, but your students are not. Yes. How many students are you teaching? Um, I'm currently at about 22. I started the year at 34, and throughout the first quarter, some of those students. Were- Parents either got jobs or were going back to work or decided there's too many siblings to manage at home. And so they requested that they go back to brick and mortar. Um, and those students have come back to Cheney or um, some of my students go to other schools in the district and they've returned back to their home schools. Um, 
And once they leave remote, they stay brick and mortar unless they're quarantined. And then new students to the district could choose to go to remote or brick and mortar. So our numbers fluctuate in that instance, but um, about 22 students and we've set routines, kind of like what Shanae was saying, setting those routines has really helped um, our day. I am live <laughs> with the students or can be live from eight o'clock in the morning till about three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, I'm not always live. We have set live times. And then if they need extra help or additional help, they send me a message. And we have multiple forms of contact. Parents can contact me. Um, students can contact me on Schoology or on GoGuardian, or, or they can send me an email. And I'll jump on to a Zoom meeting and we can, I can help them out there. Um, and then I will Zoom in with other teachers throughout the day during our plan time or collab. Um, or if we have SIT meetings, we Zoom in together. So I'm, I'm with everybody, but I'm not actually physically with them. I'm, I come in in the morning, I come to my room, close the door, lock it, <laughs> and I'm here. Uh, if I... If there's a time that I need to go somewhere else, um, I'll go down and pick up Shanae's students for the bus so that bus riders and car riders go separate. I'll take them over to the bus. And that's about the only time that I really have much interaction with the students. So, so students are in school five days a week, either remotely or in the brick and mortar. Correct. That strikes me as for the teachers. How are you doing? And how are your colleagues doing? I would have to say they're doing phenomenal. Now, I will tell you that you, the anxiety, Karen, that you described, you can feel it. Like when certain things happen, um, right before Thanksgiving, we weren't sure if we were going to go remote after Thanksgiving, so we sent all the computers home. That requires, a, that, that creates a little bit of anxiousness. Are we going to go remote? what's going to happen and you don't know and all you can say is whatever happens we're just going to manage it if we're just take one day at a time and, and work through whatever processes need to happen um that creates some anxiety i i would say whenever the first day that i had to tell the kindergarten teacher literally the first day of school i have to walk in 30 minutes before kids arrive and say you got to go home we're putting you in quarantine and i mean there are tears because that's like you've you've built yourself up ready to go and and now that's not going to happen and there there are a hundred percent of the time everyone is ready to communicate about whatever needs to be done and it's at any time of the day wouldn't you say that ladies yes yeah and you know asking how we're doing this is hard it is really really hard we have we have great days where you know it's been a good day i'm like yes we have our stride going and then you know and something else comes and it's it's hard there are days where it is just exhausting this is for sure been my hardest school year um but i'm here and you know it's december already and so we're, we're going strong and we're still in school and um i 
always choose to be a brick and mortar teacher. I do not want to teach online. I love being in the classroom with my third graders, regardless of them wearing a mask and having them to, you know, remind them constantly to keep it over their nose and get it out of your mouth. And, um, but it's hard, but it is still a very rewarding career. And I, I, I love it and I wouldn't choose to do anything else, but I hope next school year, we are not in a pandemic. <laughs> Let's hope. Tangie, uh, do you have any questions you... Yeah, I, I was struck by, one, um, the idea that when you talked about their learning, right, you had to fill in some holes because there was some unfinished missed learning from last year. How have you handled assessments this year? What kind of assessments are you doing? Maybe so I'll let you, you talk about that. Um, I mean, we're continuing to do our regular math assessments, our regular reading assessments. We do a lot of progress monitoring to make sure that, um, you know, those gaps are being filled with things from second grade. Um, you know, we're, we're doing what we can. I often find that with the class size that I have, it's it's very difficult to make sure that all of that is getting done. So we're, we're, we're you know, kind of chugging through following along with our, our curriculum um, and those assessments. But we do a lot of progress monitoring to make, progress monitoring to make sure that um, they are getting back on track and that they're, they're making those gains. Um, yeah, because, you know, with third grade being so important in terms of, you know, who's learning how to read and making sure that as many of your students, you know, are reading ready and ready for third grade and ready for the switch in reading for fourth grade, um, you know, with all the discussions going on. What are you learning about what your kids are learning? What are you learning about your students that you maybe didn't know? Um, I have learned a lot through morning journal writing. So because a mask is on our face, I have a lot of kids that are so quiet and that I can't hardly understand. And you know, you can't read expressions sometimes. Um, so we do a lot of journal writing and I get to read about their family and their weekend and different things that have been going on. Um, and I've learned a lot to to be surprised of how resilient third graders can be. I mean, at the beginning of the year where I was like, we're gonna have to wear a mask all day long. You know, I can only imagine some of the things that they're gonna wanna do with the masks, but they have surprised me. Um, they, it's just like a part of the day now. I, I mean, they're, they're, they're very resilient kids. Um, you know, and this, we, we talk about in my classroom, this is our safe place. And this is our, our comfortable place. You know, they come here and they know that they're loved um, and that somebody's going to come and take care of them. And so they want to be here. And, you know, we, I remind them, you ha if you want to be here, we have to keep our masks on. We have to wash our hands. We have to put hand sanitizer on every hour. Um, so they're resilient and they're strong. And um, I've learned a lot about them. I'm, we're building great relationships even through, through the masks and things. So. Hey, Jennifer, what about, yeah, I was going to say, what about you? What are you learning about your students that maybe you didn't know? Um, I'm learning a whole lot more about their home lives mm. um, and the support that they have at home. And I've had a lot more communication with parents this year than I've ever had in the past. I mean, I usually have pretty good communication, but I talk with parents usually at least once a week, if not more. Um, I'll have parents that'll send me a message and say, hey, can you, can I jump on a Zoom meeting with you real quick? I have some questions about what my child's doing. Um, and I feel like parents have a better understanding of where their children are and a lot more, they're a lot more supportive of what their child needs 
at home. It's been eye-opening, I think, for a lot of the parents, just like some of it's been eye-opening for me. Um, and then I've learned that my students still, they, they thrive on knowing that we care and that we think about them all the time. Um, myself and one of the other remote teachers have started sending little packages or notes to parents and students at home. So if they're not brick and mortar students, they still receive some of those special things that they would receive in class, you know, things that they've earned or rewards. And I'll get messages on um, class dojo from parents saying, oh my goodness, my child just got just got their envelope in the mail and they are so excited. They're taking it around, showing all their siblings and you don't know how much this, this means to them. Um, and, and it's hard for me because I miss, I miss being with my students physically in the same class. You know, I miss being able to give them a hug <laughs> or a high five. Um, but we've figured out ways to make that work. Uh, Dr. Black, do you find that you have um, a lot of, you know, we hear a lot of reports about students who are not engaged in class and they're not signing on, you know, still having connectivity issues or students who are just missing. Are you guys experiencing a lot of that on your side? Um, I originally at the beginning, I was having several students, but that's kind of with getting into the routine and figuring out technology. I don't have very many issues anymore. I may have a student that's not completing all of their assignments, um, but if there's connectivity issues or anything like that, I I always get a message from a parent. And that's something I've requested. If you know your child's not gonna be on or you're having internet issues, please send me a message. And they, they do a great job of letting me know. Um, and if they're late, they they know the routines to go through to figure out what they've missed. Um, so, so I'm I'm going to kind of uh, kind of do some follow up here because one of the things that we're fortunate with is this, because we have brick and mortar and remote and we're working simultaneously. The beauty of this is that we kind of let those parents know who are remote that if your child is not getting on, and your child is not participating, and your child is not getting their work done they will not have a choice. You will come back to brick and mortar. There will be no options. And that uh, has what's caused Sinead's class to kind of bloom um, because we've had to have some of those challenging conversations to the parents. And, you know, they get pretty upset, but it's like, look, you have said you're going to be responsible enough to be at home and make sure your child is learning or else that's not working for you and you need to bring them back to brick and mortar. And um, so that has been, I think, helpful to make sure that the kids who are online are at least engaged in, in the work that they need to be working. As far as assessments go, I'm going to follow back up on that. Uh, both Shanae and um, Jen don't know this, but we just finished our interims. And we our interim assessments are aligned with our state assessments. And we take them three times a year. They literally finish theirs the week before Thanksgiving break. So we've started to disaggregate it, and really our third graders did, did fairly well. We beat the state in seven out of the 25 um, standards, 
So considering we're a high poverty school, considering that we were remote last spring, I'm feeling pretty good about that. We're starting to disaggregate that a little bit more to see what we're, um, did it make a difference if you were a remote student or if you were a brick and mortar student? Um, this January, we have to do an interim again. We are gonna ask that our remote students come in and actually do their interim brick and mortar so we can actually get some, some stronger assessments on them to make sure the data is a little bit more pure. But, uh, you know, we didn't see the bottom drop out of the barrel, I guess is what I would say. And that's what my biggest worry was because when our kids are home, many of our parents are working. It's not like we are uh, where other families may have a mom at home or a dad at home when when we're remote, this, that doesn't necessarily happen with our kids. That's important. I'm glad you heard that, uh, that your bottom didn't fall out. That's been a big worry. <laughs> it's been a really big worry for a lot. And I think rightfully so, right? We don't know what we don't know yet. And so that's, it's, it's uh, encouraging to see that. So that was really important. Yeah. And I think socially, we've, I mean, you may not have been hit as much, but, you know, there's been so much social upheaval and maybe for third graders, it's not hitting them quite as much as it might hit an upper grade, but are you seeing any of your students really reacting to some of the social upheavals that we have regarding race and regarding, you know, the police interactions that they've seen maybe on the news or they've heard about? Has that been touching your school in any way, or maybe is it touching your students, your third grade students in particular? So that's interesting you should ask that, because I would have said from the beginning of the year, the one thing that uh, our athletic program ran into a situation um, early on with someone misspeaking about Black Lives Matter, and it, it created some racial tension in a, a small athletic group. Um, and so early on, we were kind of prepared for uh, what are we going to do when these topics come up. However, I would say in general, we haven't had the, the COVID has taken on so much more of the emphasis than any of the other social issues. However, I will tell you that for the first time ever, um, I was on two different phone calls with parents, two different parents that brought up, uh, they questioned if their child was being treated a certain way because of their uh, blackness. And I've never had that asked before. And uh, the beauty of that, question though for me was that I have worked extremely hard to hire a diverse teaching staff. We have the most diverse teaching staff in the district. Um, we have four or five uh, African Americans that are certified teachers that are outstanding educators. We have um, two Hispanic speaking um, teachers that are uh, so, so I feel really confident about the fact that we are diverse. We uh, truly are representative of what you would see in our community. And when I was able to say that to this parent, it, it totally dissipated any of that conversation. Um, and so that is the only thing that I have heard. And, and Jen and Shanae, you may have seen something differently, but that's the only thing about Black Lives Matter or any of the social unrest that I've, that I've heard or seen. I agree. Yeah. I mean, 
I have maybe once or twice heard, you know, somebody say hashtag Black Lives Matter. Um, but I think our kids are so used to being around such a diverse population. Um, and I also don't know that maybe third graders just a little naive to those sorts of things. Um, some of the more outside world things that I hear is about politics, honestly, um, which has been very surprising. So yeah, COVID has definitely trumped any of any of that. I feel like that's been our hot topic for sure. It's so interesting. And I, I wonder what it'd be like for your older students. And it's, you know, parents just want to know their kids are well cared for and a person who sees them as a person, right? And the person sees them, you know, within the body they live as a human, as fully human. So that's really important. I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the majority of your students are African-American. Is that right? Yeah. We're running about, so we run a third African-American. We run a third multicultural, and then we run um, a third Hispanic. And, and we, so our, Caucasian. So your demographics have been changing. Right. Yeah. So our Caucasian group is extremely small. Our multicultural group is, um, you know, that is truly the melting pot where you're, you know, part African-American and sometimes part Asian and part, you know, it's a, it's a melting pot. I'm hoping people go back and uh, listen to the last uh, interview we did in the spring because I explain a bit more about Washington Elementary and where it sits in Junction City, Kansas, which is um, the home of Fort Riley. So it is a very diverse place um, in in a lot of ways, but you are not, you serve some children of the military, but not particularly very many. No. No, it's probably less than 10% of our community is, is military. Um, which even though, even though a, the larger community is very military. Ab- absolutely. So some of the challenges we've run into this year with, with finances that you wouldn't think about, but, you know, uh, one of the requirements for your free and reduce is they fill out their free and reduce packets. Well, if you're a remote learner, what reason do you have to fill out a free and reduce packet? Even, right. even though you're, we've offered free meals, they're not, they didn't fill them out like they should. So right now we're running at 84% poverty. Well, that's not a true, that's not a true picture of what we are. That That's a true picture of how many people filled out their paperwork. And the challenge was where previously we could kind of chase you down as you pick up your kiddo to, to fill out this paperwork, you didn't have that same opportunity. Um, some of the other challenges we've run into is, you know, the IEPs that we have to do now through Zoom. Um, we've had to make a lot of different allowances on how to get parents to get to the Zoom meetings and those type of things. It's been a, it, it's just, I don't know if any other organization out there right now has basically been turned upside down to just run what you've normally did for hundreds of years, <laughs> just to run and, and things like the lunch program. Well, how do you serve lunches so that we're not all, you know, we're doing mostly sack lunches. Um, it's, it's not at the same level that we normally would where we're all getting served, but they don't want kids breathing over a, a buffet line. Basically um, we normally have more community building 
at the building. We would do potlucks. We have birthdays. Da, 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 da. We're not doing that. We're not headed to the bar on Friday nights. You're not doing those things. Um, and so that has, has caused, which also adds to some stress because those are opportunities where people are able to, to reconnect and you're not able to do that. And so those add some, uh, just another layer to this whole picture. Well, there's been a lot of talk that people will be leaving the teaching profession because of all of this stress and that kind of um, inability to really bond and communicate. Do you, how do you guys think about that? Do you, are you hearing noises about that? Are you yourselves sort of going, I'm in it for this year, but I don't know about next year. I mean, how are you guys thinking? And, and what, what are your colleagues saying? You don't have to say what you're thinking. You're not allowed to tell everybody. You're not. That's right. This is not this opportunity. That's right. That's right. That's right. We don't want to, we don't want to go okay. in that direction. Colleagues from <laughs> other schools. Don't even talk about your. <laughs> I, I plan on being here. Um, I, at the beginning of the year, I was planning on being brick and mortar, but, um, I would rather go remote than lose other teachers from our building. So I, I, I said, absolutely. I'll go, I'll go remote, um, to keep us all together. I love the staff that I'm with every, you know, we have a really good rapport, um, with all of the staff members. So I didn't want to lose anybody. And so I, I was willing to go remote. I know that there are other teachers that, if they had to go remote, they they weren't going to stay. I mean, that was just a clear line. I can't do it. They did it last spring, and they did not want to do it again. I think Shanae um, was in that. I think Shanae was in that book. <laughs> oh, I very very clearly said during last spring. I mean, I was at home. I have uh, now one year old and now three year old, um, and I was at home teaching online with those two at home, um, and. I very clearly said, if I have to do this again next year, I can't, I cannot do this because I don't feel like I'm a good teacher and I don't feel like I'm being a good parent. Um, and I can't do both right now. Um, you know, the changes that have been made, um, teaching at school, um, as a, as a online remote teacher, I could manage that. I feel like that's far more manageable, but if I'm expected to go home and teach from home, um, you know, and then have my children at home on top of it. it. It's just, it was, that was not an option for me. And so I said, I, if that's expected of me next year, I'm out, I can't do it. Um, so, you know, the thing, the way things are going now, I don't ever want to leave being a teacher. I love being a teacher. Um, but it is, I feel like it is getting more stressful and there's, you know, more being placed on top, you know, all the time. Um, so I do hear that. I hear the stress of people, um, I don't, right now, I haven't heard any colleagues say they're leaving, um, but. Yeah, education is notoriously additive without subtracting anything. We don't believe in subtraction. It's all about addition and multiplication. <laughs> That's our favorite math operations in education. <laughs> One of the challenges we have had, and, and Jen Fallon was a part of this, is at the beginning of the year, the district made the decision that they didn't want student teachers in the building, and they were concerned about, again, what is a college-level kid doing on the weekends, and what are they going to bring into the building? 
So Jen Fallon got to be uh, the mentor to a student teacher online. So the student teacher did all of her teaching online. Well, one of the concerns I have, and, and I've expressed this, is that that teacher didn't get any practice with behavior management. And as much as I'd like to say that teaching online is the same, it is not the same. Behavior management plays such a, a pivotal role in your ability as a teacher to get the instruction to the students. And when you're in Zoom meetings, you can easily say, ah, you get to go to the waiting room because you're acting like a little toot. And when I get done, I'll come talk to you and we'll bring you back into the classroom. Well, that's not the kind of activity that Sinead gets to go through when she has some special characters in the classroom. So, And that teacher, our student teacher got hired. Is that right, Jen? <laughs> she got, yes, she got hired in our district. Uh, to teach that's remote. a testament to you. Though. I wonder if that's <laughs> going to be a specialty from now on, uh, you know, remote teaching as opposed to brick and mortar teaching. Mm -hmm. One of the things you said in the spring, Jenny, was we would be foolish to think that this isn't going to change us in some very profound mm -hmm. ways. And ways, I wonder yeah. how you're thinking about that right now. You know, some positive things. So first off, I got to sit in on a fifth grade. Well, we had a fifth grade teacher who had, who was gone. So when a fifth grade teacher remote is gone, first off, you can't just find anyone to teach a remote classroom. Like there are technical skills you have to have. So my coaches and I jumped in. So for like the first 30 minutes, I'm teaching this class and I'm not good with the content because I haven't been teaching fifth grade content. Um, and I'm working through this. Well, when I tell you that there are some kids that thrive, immediately I'm like, now, I said, let's look at our goals and our structures for the day, blah, blah, blah. I have one little guy raise his hand. Mrs. Black, uh, if you look on the Schoology page, you can see right there on the left-hand <laughs> side, it tells you exactly. I mean, he directed me. <laughs> Through the, <laughs> he obviously is learning and doing just fine in this remote environment. Um, so there are some kids who, with the family support, with the instruction teachers can give them and the follow-up probably would do just fine in these environments. Um, the other positive thing that has happened is, um, I would say we are getting more professional development than ever. And our teachers are engaged in more professional development than ever. And part of that is because we are now Zooming all of our PD. And so- But can I ask when? You're teaching all day, every day. <laughs> when are you doing all this professional development? Our teacher, uh, the kids leave at 3.15 and our teachers work till five. I oh mean, my gosh. Good. Oh my gosh. Okay. Is, is that timetable different? I know that the stress level is different, but is the timetable different than, say, the beginning of last year where you'd work, you know, till 3, 3.15 and have maybe your staff meeting until 5? Has Is that different than what it normally would be? So I, I, I don't think it is. The difference is this. When you can Zoom, you can run home at 3.15, they run home. They set up their computer and then they Zoom from 3.30 to 5. They are required to have their video on, but that feels different than when I have to run down to the district office and sit in a building and listen to it, 
when once you say that, ladies. I absolutely agree. Um, I ha actually had a baby on my lap one um, professional development. So <laughs> yeah, I absolutely agree. It, it, it just feels different. And so even though they're getting it, 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 it feels more doable, I, I would think. And our district has indicated that they have had more teachers engaged in after-school PD than they ever have. And so that's probably because of that, that piece of it. We and also, so what, what has been good PD? Like, and what, what's been good PD and what's been kind of a waste of time? I, Oh, we've uh, had some waste of time, ladies. You want to talk about some waste of time? <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you share what our uh, the FastBridge training looks like? Okay, yeah. So we um, actually did some FastBridge training at school. Um, one of the coaches gave us quite a bit of FastBridge training, and then we were asked to get on to another after-school PD one day, and it was basically the entire training. Um, so it was a lot of repetition um, of the same things, which we had already done. So that felt, felt like quite a waste of time. But we've, we've had that. We've had the PowerPoint list activities where literally someone's reading the PowerPoint to you. And you're like, well, this could have been done. This could have been personalized. Like, let me just take the PowerPoint, read it myself. And, you know, the best ones are the ones where they've set up some breakout rooms. so you. You divide out and you mm -hmm. get to have those conversations and then come back. That's right. Um, that, th there have been some bad PD, but. <laughs> so some things just never change, huh? <laughs> All right. That's there true. you go. <laughs> there you have it. That's um, exactly. Well, listen, I really, really appreciate you. You're. You're all doing this at the end of a long day where you've been shouting. Well, not you. You haven't <laughs> been shouting through a mask because you have your rock star uh, microphone. <laughs> right. <laughs> I recommend um, it to all teachers. <laughs> I've, I've seen it just in regular classrooms because, because sometimes a child has a hearing difficulty or the teacher just doesn't want to raise her voice or his voice and just always has the microphone. It was very jarring initially, but it becomes just normal. Yeah, I, I uh, think mask or not, I will never go back to not having a microphone. <laughs> I've had several teachers walk in and they're like, I could hear you all the way down the hall. I'm like, well, my kids can hear me go shh <laughs> through a microphone. So <laughs> I will never go back to not having a microphone. <laughs> okay, well, um, I think this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time. Did we not ask something that you thought ahead of time that you really wanted to make sure that you told uh, the rest of the field? No, I would just reiterate what Shanae said. Our teachers work incredibly hard. And this is a something that was already a tough, a yeoman's job has has become even greater and yet we also know as a society our job has become more imperative uh, we now recognize that these jobs are not just about teaching students it's about allowing our economy to flow because uh, children need to be watched between the hours of eight and five so that that adults can work so uh they are doing an amazing job and it is a credit to uh who they are as people. Well, thank you so much. Uh, 
this has been a great conversation and we will uh, check back maybe in the spring if possible. <laughs> and hopefully we'll all have our vaccinations by then. We'll take off the masks and we'll be <laughs> potlucking. <laughs> That'll be great. That Thank you be. so much. Thank you. It's been great. So Tangie, what did you think about what they had to say? I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, I'm reflecting back on both uh, Dr. Sterling and Corey Miklas and, you know, how I think it was uh, uh, Corey Miklas who said they're not getting spread within their buildings. The spread is happening outside, right? And it seems to be the same thing here. So if we think about that in the context of what we've been hearing nationally about where upticks are happening when schools put in place the proper structures, you know, vis-a-vis social distancing, hand washing, mask wearing the whole time, it appears to be whatever happens relative to COVID is being brought into the building as opposed to spreading within the building. You know what I mean? Which I think is interesting. And so how do we help families realize that, you know, you got to, if you want to, like, I think it was uh, Shanae who said, if you want to come to school, then you got to do these things, right? You know, like, this is what it means if you really want to be at school, if parents want their kids at school, society wants their kids at school, because, you know, like Jen said, kids got to be watched from eight to five, or if that's what you want, then that means wearing a mask a lot. That means social being socially distanced. That means hand washing. I was laughing because I went somewhere and I said, you know, one of the things that we learned is that people are kind of like not health. They're not hygienic. If we're if washing hands has to be a reminder, like why are we reminding people to wash hands? Like you wash hands all the time. So, you know, it's kind of a thing. And I was also struck by, you know, what they're finding with their um, interim assessments. You know. Um, and they have a population that was left, that was primarily left out of the most recent NWEA report. You know, they, they had like a big chunk of missing data, which represents what is representative of students of color primarily and students from, you know, economically distressed schools and, ho- and households. But there, it doesn't seem as though their numbers have fallen to the bottom yet or at all. So that's an interesting conversation to have in January, right? Because they're coming back in January. And they're going to bring everybody back in the building to do that. So it's interesting to see. Right. And, but the, this is why I, so the premise of this podcast is these are extraordinary. These are, these are, Mm -hmm. these are schools and districts who I have, you know, educators I have uh, kind of been writing about for years. years. Jenny Black has been somebody I first wrote about in 2009 and, you know, they are highly skilled, highly um, uh, effective educators. And that's, and, and you can hear all the anxiety, all mm-hmm. the difficulty that they have. Dr. Miklas said, this is really hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Sterling said, this is a very anxious time, you know, mm-hmm. the, there's a lot of anxiety here. So that's, I kind of think of these guys as top of the profession, um, that not everybody is the kind of leader that they are. Right. So they're not being as careful about the mask wearing. They're not being as, as 
diligent um, and, and responsible diligent about, and yeah. in setting up the routines mm-hmm. that are necessary to make this work. So, yeah. so I, I don't know how much we can extrapolate from these guys yeah. uh, to, the, to the larger nation. What we but, can extrapolate to the larger nation is what it takes. Yes. Like, this is what it takes to be, to ensure that whatever spread you have is not happening within your building. This is what it takes to run a system that is, you know, hybrid. This is hybrid by all intents and purposes. Like, this is what it takes to do this, right? Like, if you want these structures and this is what it takes, plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D if you've got to, you know, being prepared for anything, you know, listening to the news and making sure that, you know, um, their LMS is up and ready to go. And, you know, if you're in brick, but I was interesting. If your child is remote, if you've made the decision to have your child stay remote, but they are not turning in their assignments and they're not doing what they should do, we will remove that decision from you and have you come back to school. Very interesting. That's interesting, but also they've lost students. Right. And um, they, we didn't, yeah, like, it was like, I mean, where, we didn't like, really dig into yeah, that. Yeah, like, question. where are the lost, like, where are they all, right? Like, yeah. who, how they, many, where are they? are probably in other schools, maybe mm-hmm. other districts. They That's may right. moved. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was very interesting hearing how they, first of all, they separated. They just said, I love that. One or the other. Do this or do are, that. Right. I'm remote. I'm a remote teacher or I'm a brick and mortar teacher. I think the combination is really difficult. We we heard from two districts where mm-hmm. that's what they're doing. They're doing right. the combination. And that seems harder. Um, and maybe we need to go back and talk to some of the teachers mm-hmm. uh, because we were primarily talking with administrators about that. Yeah. But um, there are different ways to make the things work. That's right. And, that's and right. one of the things I loved about Seaford was – that they are deliberately using the fact that some kids are at home and some kids are not to do their paired reading right? so that nobody's face-to-face and, Face. and, and uh, sharing germs. So, right. So right. they were actually right. able sure. to, to make that work with them, for with them. The, with, for <laughs> them, exactly, for their process. And you're still interested in, like, since they're third grade, we know how important third grade reading is. So that's another conversation would be interesting to really right. get a handle on that. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I think this wraps up another episode of Extraordinary Districts in Extraordinary Times. Thank you so much, Tanji. Thank you, Karen. If you'd like to know more about Jenny Black and her work in her previous school, Ware Elementary, I hope you'll read How It's Being Done, published by Harvard Education Press. If you have suggestions for what you'd like to hear about in this podcast, you can email extraordinarydistricts at edtrust.org or tweet at edtrust or me at Karen Chenoweth or Tanji at remarsh76. Mike Patillo records and edits this podcast through the magic of Zoom from Tonal Park. I want to thank everyone at EdTrust who supports this podcast, including Jack Fleming and Keith Curry, who upload them and provide all the digital support. And thank you to the Wallace Foundation for providing financial support. Thanks, and see you next time.